Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. And those of you who brought your Bibles this morning, would you open with me to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. To kind of kick off the, uh, the Christmas season, our church has a tradition that the ladies get together um, and they kind of celebrate uh, the uh, coming of Christmas to all get together and have a restful night before they head off into uh, the busy season of Christmas. And so if you have your calendars out and open, which I'm sure you don't, but make sure that you mark this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Um, here at 7 o'clock, they'll be doing just a great night of singing, worshiping, reading scripture. And so uh, uh, please, 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 ladies, would you invite a friend? Today we're going to talk about um, the joy of sharing um, the good news that has been given us. And so um, this is your opportunity to do just that, is to find somebody you know that might not be connected super well or just needs a friend or somebody who needs to hear the gospel message. Uh, would you please invite them and, and start praying about them now? Um, and you've got, you've got two days to invite them. So there you go. There's a deadline for you. And for those of you, there is a, uh, we, we could use a couple men uh, to kind of bring the, we have a kind of a manger scene that's going to go up here. And so after church, if you're not doing anything and you'd like to help some people out, but just put that up, uh, would you just offer a hand to the ladies and, and they'll get that going? Cool beans? Great. Uh, let's just dive right on into this, and we're not going to go to Luke chapter 2 quite yet. In fact, actually, um, I'm going to throw a verse on the screen, 1 Timothy 3.16, and this is what it says. It says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Remember, we talked about it last week, the hope that is the mystery that Christ is in us. This is the mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven and glory. This is a great verse to start out our whole entire, this morning of looking into the scriptures is because we get to go into looking at joy today in our Advent. Last week I uh, said that we started Advent a week early, and we did. And so today actually is the start of Advent. And if you don't know what Advent is, here's a little vi video to show you what Advent is. You've seen it before, but I want to share it again.
There's one they might have missed on there about having to serve during Advent. You can shovel somebody's sidewalk today. There's lots of snow out there. Um, the reason why I wanted to do Advent was because uh, it is a tradition within the church that you look at hope and joy and peace and love and then finally Jesus. And so last week we looked at hope. What is our hope in? And Mary saw the, the hope of Jesus Christ. And because of that hope, we have hope for his return. And, and this week we get to look at joy, the candle of joy. My question is, do you have much joy in your life to start out with? I was doing the dishes yesterday and I looked at my wife and I said, do, we, do I have much joy? And right away my kids answered no. <laughs> I, this is probably going to be the hardest one for me because it's really easy to say, hey, we have joy that Jesus is here. Yeah, great, but what does that mean for practice? What does that mean in our everyday lives? And I think the scripture that we're going to read today just brings out the idea of what joy can do in our lives. The problem is, is I don't think it's easy. I think that we look at our world and we don't see much joy. We look at our world and we assume that it's devoid of joy. Or we try to do something to well joy up in us, right? We look for the surprises. Some of you may or may not like surprises. We, uh, there was a really cool uh, commercial the other day where this kid kept on looking out the window, right? When he uh, turned of driving age, he keeps looking out the window, looking out the window. And then all of a sudden when he's an adult, this Christmas season, he looks out the window and there's a BMW sitting out there with a nice bow on it. And he's so excited. And the tagline is, never give up on your Christmas dreams, right? I mean, is that what it boils down to? Do we boil down our joy to getting what we want? Or is it realizing that joy has already come to us and we have to take the step in which to allow it to enter into our hearts? Think of the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten. One of the best Christmas gifts I always get every single year. I used to think it was the big gifts, right? And now I really enjoy my stocking gifts. And every single year there's a gift that is in there and it's a pair of socks. Uh, we used to call them, uh, well, some of my friends still call them, my Sunday socks. Um, and that's kind of where uh, I get my dress socks come in there. And we call them the Sunday socks because when I have Sunday socks, I wear them all day long. It doesn't matter. Like it's all, they're always on. I, I've, in fact, actually, uh, my friend laughed at me the other day because I was doing something on the roof in sandals and I had my Sunday socks on. And they're like, your Sunday socks. But think of that gift. Think of whatever it might is that bring you joy. I wonder if you could understand that the gift of Jesus is the ultimate joy. I don't know if it happens in everyday life. I don't know if we come back to it when we wake up and go, this is a gift. In fact, James 1.17 says this, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom 
There is no variation or shifting shadow. God's gift hasn't moved. It isn't a moving target to us to find. It's already here. It's been dropped off. And it's Jesus. Lancelot Andrews, I I love saying that word, Lancelot, uh, is his name. Can you believe somebody was actually named that? He said this. He said, can you imagine Jesus was the word without words? He was the gift that actually didn't need to be speaking on that very morning or that very night when he was born. It was the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient becoming a baby. And so our focus is to look at that day and see the joy that's surrounded by Jesus' birth. And so would you read with me Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the side screen. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angels reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This chapter starts out with a very quick paragraph about the government at the time and and the Roman Empire wanting to do a census. And I'll just give you a, a little bit of an example about the craziness of this is that Rome wants to do a census because they want to know how many people they have power over. Caesar Augustus was the, uh, was the Caesar at the time. And in fact, actually, 12 years prior to that, this is what happens. Haley comet, Hay, Haley's comet flies over in 12 BC, and he tells the rest of the people that that is the spirit of his father flying across looking over, uh, looking over Rome, and everybody believes him. And so from that day on, he says, well, if that's a God, then I'm God's son. And so you will call me the leading citizen, the high priest, the supreme ruler. And he starts usurping his authority all over the world. 
And then one night, a whole bunch of shepherds are visited by angels. The lowliest of people. In fact, actually, I said it this week. I, I said it last week. I said, the greatest news ever proclaimed in Israel came to the humblest of its people. It wasn't a man usurping his authority or claiming to be somebody great. It was somebody else pointing to him, saying, this is who you should follow. And I love the storyline in this because, <laughs> because Luke understands that Caesar is not the supreme ruler. Luke understands after all of this, he just wants to rub it in a little bit more by saying, hey, because of this census, this wise Caesar guy actually gets Joseph and Mary, who live in Nazareth, to move to Bethlehem so that they could be a part of the census. Micah 5.2 says, hey, out of you, O Bethlehem, though you are little, you will be great. A ruler will come out of you. God is already orchestrating everything, and Caesar is simply, merely just a man. And so, for this message to come to little shepherds, I think, are absolutely amazing. Because God is saying that he cares for the lowly. He's not trying to make a grand statement, because he is already who he is. And so I want to dive in just by section, each of these sections, one, two, and three. If you want to write next to them, uh, section one or the, the first fill-in is going to be verses 8 through 14. The second fill-in is going to be verses 15 through 18. And the last section of verses is 19 through 20. And so we're just going to take them bit by bit this morning. And so if you have your notes. Let's, uh, let's fill this in. Christianity started that day, not as a law or a creed, not as a census, you must do this, but in a humbling, loving act of visitation. Started with the angels visiting the shepherds, but it was God coming down to visit us. He was humble, and the most loving. Can you, can you imagine at, the, at one moment you are, maybe we can't imagine because we're not this, but could you imagine being God, sitting up in heaven, knowing absolutely everything, and in seconds fall to earth and be a human being? He willingly gave up his glory to teach us how to glorify. And so that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But, they said, but the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggling strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast of heavenly hosts, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. This is when Christianity started. This very moment that the angels come and say, Your Savior has been here. Don't be afraid. Unlike last week when Mary wasn't afraid. She was ready to do what God wanted her to do. Really, more, more than anything, the angels proclaim this. is <laughs> There's three things they're really proclaiming to the shepherds. And one is this, is that in the city of David, in the city of David, all the shepherds understand this. Because really, actually, it really wasn't called the city of David back then because it would have been Jerusalem, right? We assume that David brought into Jerusalem and, and set up his king there. But in the city of David, every single shepherd understands that because David is their hero. David is the shepherd who killed lions and bears and tigers, oh my, and Goliath and set up a great nation. And so they are kindred with David. They understand what's going on. And it's today. It's not in the future. It wasn't in the past, but today in the city of David. And then they go on to say, he's born for you. Not born for a different class, but born for all classes, for all people. The you is absolutely plural for everyone. Everyone who hears this message and believes Jesus is born for you, is what the angels are saying. And then they simply finish it with this. And a save, the person who is born is a savior, who is Christ. They get that. They've been looking for a Messiah for years. Somebody who would bring them out of their lowly estate. And then just as if one angel wasn't good enough, a host of angels came. Like, so the Bible's really good at saying if there was 150, there was 150 angels. Like, what he's saying is there is so many angels that you cannot number them. Not only should that bring a lot of fear, but it should bring a lot of joy. Picture, I, okay, so I, I'm, I can only like describe it this way. Have you guys ever seen uh, an IMAX theater? in 3D, right? You go to these movies and you watch it in 3D and you're taken to a whole nother world. How often do we talk about those easily? The best movie that I think I've ever seen in IMAX 3D was Avatar, right? Like it's there in your face. Like you see like the world all around you. It is vast and it's huge and IMAX screens are unbelievable. This is bigger than that. This is as far as the eye can see angels worshiping God. 
every single piece of sound that I can take in, and they're all praising God, saying glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. God sent his son for everyone. And it is not a small thing at all. It is ginormous. The complete, I like to think of it this way. Heaven was completely unleashed into the sky that day. Like, just picture it for a second. That God would care so much about people that he would first go to some of the lowliest people and say, you've got to understand this. Do you think that only the shepherds saw that day? Do you think like God blinded everybody else's eyes? Or was it that the shepherds were the only ones paying attention? I don't know, but I, I don't know how the rest of the world might have missed it. And what do you think the shepherds do? Do they go back and be uninterested and go, you don't understand, we've got to make our money and feed Caesar with all these sheep and we've got to shear them so we can make clothes later on and all of that? No, right away. In verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem. I, I can imagine Joe in the corner going, hey, um, so, so, so you think we should go? Like, you think that's, you think that's a good thing? Like the, the idiot of the bunch that everybody makes fun of, right? And everybody else is like, of course, you idiot, let's go, let's do this. And then something amazing happens. They leave their sheep. They leave their sheep so God can protect their sheep while they go and see what's going on. They don't leave little Jimmy behind and say, hey, you pick the short straw, buddy. You've got to stay behind. They knew that that was the most important thing at that moment. Not watching sheep, but finding a baby. Finding Jesus. You've heard me say it often. I think there's a lot of times that we try to find Jesus in the buffet of life. We just kind of, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, there's Jesus. But they left absolutely everything. Kind of is interesting how Jesus comes to all, to the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and says, hey, leave everything and become fishers of men. And they do. They leave it all behind. The shepherds aren't worried about a wolf right now. The shepherds aren't worried about something coming and stealing their sheep. They are all in. You see, I think this. I think that grace is found in the need, not in the abundance. And that's where true joy begins to rise. Go ahead and throw that up there, Brad. You see, grace is found in the need, not in the abundance. And true joy begins to rise. 
if you are the lowliest of people, if you are a shepherd, you are a loner, you are an outcast. Well, I shouldn't say an outcast, you are just the ranch hand. That's just where they found themselves. And I find it interesting that grace comes there first. They're graced by the good news. They're graced by the knowing that Jesus is there for them. And they automatically know right away that God loves them because God revealed himself or God allowed the angels to share the good news to them. Could you imagine the overwhelming feeling that would come over you when you knew that God would choose you to know the good news? It begins to rise because you know God loves you. You know that God has a desire for you to know and understand the good news of Jesus Christ and his love for you. Hebrews 4.15 says it like this. I think this is interesting because wrapped up in the story of there is a baby to be born and it's your Savior. I think they also understood this very thing that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. It starts as a baby, and they understood that. The shepherds might not be super smart, but I'm telling you that they understand that it had to start with a baby. Jesus needs the grace of his mom to continue to nurture in him the things to grow. Grace is found when we are so neck deep in our sin that we need somebody to give us a ladder to climb out. It's not in the abundance, though we should realize that everything we have is from God. But grace starts there. Is there somewhere in your life where you need a little bit of grace today? Is there something that you just need God to say, hey, I love you, and it's okay. You can drop that, and you can be encouraged today. Do you feel like you don't matter at all in the grand scheme of what's going on in your world? Do you need the grace of God to come and say, that's why I sent a Savior? Do you feel that sometimes the decisions that you make aren't the greatest ones for your family? What if you've messed up and you need to start over again? Can you understand that grace is there for you? It's been shouted by angels. It has been proclaimed by hundreds of millions of people to this day. That the Savior has been born to us. And so the shepherds realize that grace in their lives and they go to look for the baby. 
This isn't just a, hey, well, we'll get there when we get there type of thing. It is they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You would think that at this point, the shepherds would quit their jobs, leave their sheep, become great speakers, write books, start a podcast, start, a, start writing a blog. But instead, what do they do? As they're headed back to tending their sheep, they tell everybody they come in contact with what happened. They go back to being shepherds. Because they go back to glorifying God in the everyday. This is what joy is. That at every single moment of our lives, we understand that we are in process with God. That God is the most important to attain, and so we want to be with Him. We want to drop everything and allow Him to take care of things when we need to seek His face. When life gets difficult, do we run towards God or do we run towards comfort? Towards feeling absolved from what's going on in our lives? Do we beat ourselves up and then just, just not even try to fix it and go back to the same old, same old? Which is a joy sucker. Do we allow the Spirit of God to enter into our lives so that when we do go back to the everyday, we don't lose ourselves in the monotony of life? The last part of this piece of Scripture is found in verses 19 and 20. And I find it interesting that it's Mary once again. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. This is an ongoing process. This isn't just a one and done. It wasn't like it was a, hey, I saw the manger, now I'm good. Now I'm gone. It's an over and over thing. Keeping them in her heart. And so, the Christ who was born into this world must be born into your hearts. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The truth is that Christ can be born a thousand times in Bethlehem. But if he's not born within your heart, you're eternally lost. That's the, the joy doesn't come from just seeing the manger. The joy comes from inviting him into our hearts. Joy comes from understanding the gospel washes over us. 
that the message is in our brains and that the grace has sunk into our hearts. You see, the joy of having Christ in our hearts means that we don't have to be the same person. We can be filled with joy. And we can ask our hearts what's going on when we're doing the dishes and we say, where's the joy? It doesn't have to be in a stuck mode. We have the scriptures to respond to us over and over again. God, I'm unsettled about this. What do you have to say to me? God, I need your help in this. Please, would you do this? And then I can glorify God. And I can do exactly what the shepherds do. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Every single thing that the angel had said, that today a baby has been born, it's the Savior, it's the Messiah. It's, it's been told them. It was exactly as the angels had said. And now we have scripture and we have a response to have. And I'm going to ask the, usher, the ushers, the worship band to come forward because we're going to be singing uh, Glory in the Highest. But there's two responses, I think, to this joy. And the first one is this, is respond immediately to opportunity in your life. In verse 15, they say to each other, the shepherds say, let us go. Let's go after it. And then in verse 10, it says right away that they went in a hurry. They didn't linger around. They didn't kind of look to see if they had better options. It was immediately that they responded to the opportunity. And so if you know Jesus and you've placed him into your heart, don't wait for special opportunities to speak about Jesus. Don't wait for the right time or the right place. Speak about him whenever you can. Don't, and don't be obnoxious about it. Just be transparent. This is what God does for my life. Those of you that just came back from Guatemala, you have a great opportunity to share exactly what you experienced because it was Jesus that brought you over there. You can talk about it all the time. This is what Jesus is doing. Watch for open doors, speak freely. If you don't know and haven't brought Christ into your heart, you got to respond immediately. There's no greater time than right now to do just that. To go, God, I, I want your message in my life. The message that you are the Savior. That I can have joy and that I can have hope and I can have peace and understand love in you. 
And the second response is simply to share your experience. Not somebody else's experience, but to share your experience. In verse 17 of this whole entire thing, the shepherds told everything what had happened to them and what the angel had said. It's not somebody else's. It's your experience. What has God been doing in your life? The shepherds after this weren't called to be preachers. They weren't called to set up a church. They were just simply that wherever they went to remember what had happened in their lives. There's another story uh, of a guy who <laughs> was blind and Jesus heals him. And he goes through this huge rigmarole and he keeps telling his story over and over again and they try to corner him and they try to get him to say something about Jesus that is, is able for them to say, no, Jesus is blaspheming, let's kill him right now. And he says, look, look, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. You have a before and an after story. And it is your responsibility to share your joy. Not to walk around and with people who just look downtrodden or that Christ hasn't been with you or isn't walking with you because he is. You're just choosing not to see it. And every moment where you may not have joy, ask for grace to wash over you. remember the message of Jesus Christ coming. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says this, remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things, the, sorry, God chose those things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And we chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considered important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. What I'm saying here is God is using you. You think that you might have to have this huge platform, but you don't. You simply have to be willing to go back to the flock. Go back to the daily stuff that God has called you to and glorify Him in that. Because here is what happened. That when we trust in God, we realize that God gave himself up for us. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You're already made right with God when you've responded to him. So that means that his grace and his righteousness comes upon you. And that is true joy because it gives us the ability 
Let's not have to walk around in fear or in shame or in guilt, but to walk around with joy. I am not perfect. It's actually pretty blatantly clear that, that I am not perfect. I, I am not a perfect husband, uh, perfect father, perfect youth pastor, perfect friend. I fail constantly at these things, actually. I, I, I forget birthdays. I don't respond to texts. I, uh, my voicemail box gets full. Um, messages are not what I want them to be for youth group. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so many things in my life that, that are so imperfect. And, and it's through that that I, I think we all can realize that, that we are all imperfect, no matter how hard we try. And so then I think about these shepherds and their day-to-day life of, of watching sheep and how frustrating that must be. We're often compared to sheep. And imagine losing a sheep. Wolves come by and want to take your sheep. You don't get a lot of sleep because even at night they're prone to wander. Um, as as they, they they don't look up, they just like keep feeding and just kind of go wherever. Um, you have to sell the sheep sometimes. You have to shear the sheep. You have to all, all of these different things that you would be so imperfect at. But then one day, one faithful day, God shows Himself. And you realize that no longer does your life rely on you. Does your eternity rely on you? Does your friendship rely on you? Does your forgiveness rely on you? Does your selling your sheep, providing for you, getting sleep at night, none of that relies on you anymore. Praise the Lord (laughs) that no longer does youth group rely on me. Does my wife rely on me as being a perfect husband? Do my kids rely on me to being a perfect father? And so I think about this. We no longer have to point to ourselves as a job well done or a job poorly done. We get to point to Jesus Christ. We get to point to a baby born who lived a sinless life because of our imperfectness and died the death that we deserve. And so this joy that we're talking about today in the day of of joy for Advent, this joy is actually a choice. This joy is something that you're going to choose day in and day out. And it's strictly because you choose to follow Christ that you will have this joy. Some of us wake up in the morning, we go, that's four inches of snow, I don't want to shovel. Have kids helps. There's some mornings where my son wakes up and goes, I know my dad's going to tell me to shovel. (laughs) But we can have joy knowing that that our imperfectness in this has nothing to do with our salvation. We, We have joy in Christ. And my favorite verse for joy is Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you do not believe in Christ, thank you for joining us. You have some insight now that us Christians aren't always happy, if you didn't already know that. 
But those times when things are hard and you don't understand why we are joyful, now you can have some insight that it isn't us. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. And I get this picture, and I've shared it in youth group a few times, of someone, if you could just hold your joy in a, in a cup. And I always picture cranberry juice because it gets everywhere. But, but what God desires of us is to fill this cup with joy every day because we believe in him. So much so that it just overflows. Like it just keeps coming because you just keep believing in Christ. And then this cranberry juice is everywhere. And so this joy that overflows is just following you everywhere. And even if nobody was in this room with you right now, they would know you were here because your joy is everywhere. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of joy. And thank God we don't have to rely on ourselves. May your joy overflow. May people actually wonder why your joy is overflowing. May people wonder, was Brian just in this room? Fill that blank with, with your name. Let's pray. Lord, there's days that we forget how thankful for you that we should be. Lord, there's days that, that we feel that there's no hope, that, that our, our luck has run out, that our investments are failures, that we aren't a good boss or an employee, that we aren't a good husband or father or wife or spouse or, or child or friend. Lord, on those days, on, on every day, as we fail, may we remember your success. May we we remember that, that you came in the form of a baby. To be our redeemer, to be our redemption, to be our forgiveness, to be our joy. Lord, as we struggle through life the rest of today, may you fill our cup of joy. May it overflow. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.